Welcome back to the After Ellen podcast. I'm your host, Jocelyn McDonald, Editor-in-Chief of After Ellen, and I'm joined today by Gabrielle Alejandro, who is our sports writer. Hey, Gabby. What's good? <laughs> oh, you know, just just chilling. Um, yep, settling into my new house and um, podcasting from bed, which is a little bit strange. I would love to someday have a desk, but that day is not today. You're doing your best. I am doing my level best amid a sea of boxes. No one can criticize you for that. <laughs> How about you? How, how's it out there in Los Angeles? Oh, uh, you know, same soup reheated. <laughs> so uh, we got some sports news. Mm-hmm. Uh, the WNBA has been playing for the last couple weeks. They've been having their shortened league. They did not play. Wow. It's kind of incredible that, um, you know, the, the WNBA players had promised just a few weeks ago to dedicate the season to social justice. They specifically had said before the outset that they were going to honor the lives of black women and they put the names of black women on their t-shirts, right? Or I guess jerseys, you'd say. Jerseys, Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So they had made this commitment to um, to social justice and kind of raising awareness and creating a platform. And they really delivered just they in the did. first month of the league. Yep. They did not come here to play. They, they, said, <laughs> they said what they were going to do and they did it. So, you know. Yes, they did not come here to play. So I mean, um, literally, they did not play. So. <laughs> but they had, but they had a different plan to start. Gabby didn't. Yes, um, they did. Okay, give it to us. So it was a little weird trying to figure out what was going on because at first they all the all of the players showed up. First of all, they showed up to the court ready to play. And they all kind of huddled together in a group to talk about what was going on. And first reports that were coming out were like, okay, they're going to play the game, but every seven minutes they're going to stop. And we all thought, okay, that was that. But I would say 15, less than 15 minutes later, it came out that, okay, they're not going to play at all. So none of the games were going to happen that night. Wow. And so seven minutes, that would be symbolic of the fact that Jacob Blake was shot seven times. Correct. I guess. Yeah. And so this is across two teams. They were all, everyone on both teams was united here. This was not mm -hmm. the decision of a certain leader or spokeswoman. Right. But they did have uh, someone from each team make a, a statement afterwards. Yeah. But overall, it was, you know, these women came together, talk about it, talked about what they wanted to do, and they did it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was really impressed with the, um, that the statement that Arielle Atkins made that you had included in your article that you wrote about this, mm -hmm. because she essentially said that basketball is not their only platform you know these women have lives right. off the court mm -hmm. and she pointed out that 80 percent of the players in the wnba are black mm -hmm. and so um you know 
I don't think that it's um, I think that people um, have kind of said that athletes should shut up and play and that they should do their their job is to entertain us so that they should exactly. they should limit their public persona to to playing and entertaining and these women are like no we're full 100 percent people we have lives ideas and beliefs exactly and <laughs> yeah, it's it's really frustrating to see people on social media you know say stuff like that without any regard to the fact that hello these women are black like this mm-hmm. affects them off the they're not just basketball players they have lives off the court at 80 percent of the league they are the absolutely the beating heart of the game exactly without them there would be no league exactly i feel like they could leverage this power if they just decide you know there was a moment there where people were thinking like are is anyone gonna play now like Mm -hmm. are sports over for the year are they just going to you know strike are they gonna strike essentially yeah but from what i've heard they'll they'll continue Mm-hmm. And I think that is such an interesting thing, too, to think about, because strikes are really one of the most effective um, ways of instigating social change. You know, when we and I wrote about this for After Ellen, because I read this great book about um, protests It's called How to Read a Protest. And you can find my review of it on After Ellen. But it basically pointed out that um, marches are not historically an effective way to make change. And the reasons for that is that the the primary function of the march is to raise awareness Mm -hmm. and to promote a platform. But that does not mean that laws get written or changed based on the protests. Right. And so what's really effective in changing policy is disrupting business. Mm-hmm. But in COVID times, we're dealing with a very strange, um, a strange thing, which is that the the arenas are empty. They're not selling tickets. The only way that these uh, that the league is making money is off advertisements on TV and merch. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, right. I think there was actually um, news just came out today that there was one soccer team. I think it was in Utah. As it's a male soccer team, so I'm not going to know what they're called. Um, so they they just they were one of the teams that decided not to play, and their owner mm-hmm. came out today and said, you know, that was really he he didn't like it. He said it was backstabbing. It felt like he'd been backstabbed. And I'm wow, like, you're a rich white man. Like, sorry that I'm not crying for you, but um, they had cleared some fans to be in that stadium. I think it was some like five thousand fans to be in that stadium and that's probably why he was so upset because those fans wow yeah oh wow 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 that's incredible yeah i mean i think that's such an interesting attitude of entitlement because he's like you owe me your labor and the workers are like we don't owe you that you're you know we (laughs) right you're profiting off of this labor but that is not a that's not a deliverable that you're guaranteed. You know, we can talk, we can stop that at any time. Mm-hmm. Sorry, uh, that noise in the background was just me getting a text message. So now I'm going to silence my phone. I thought 
I am <laughs> plugged in 24-7. I thought I had silenced my Facebook, but there I go. So, so oh, wow, look at me. So popular. It's so weird now that I live alone. I'm like so lonely. I like, who am I going to tell my every last thought to? I my live cat, alone my house. I live alone too, so I completely oh understand. Yeah, it's so weird. I was having three roommates in the past at all times, and so... It's just strange. Yeah. Um, what else do we need to say about the WNBA? Um, now, um, you know, a, a week ago or more now, I guess, the uh, there was an op-ed published by um, Sue Bird and Nika Ogwumike. Is that – did I say her name right? I, that's how I would say it. But I was just okay. about to bring that up. So that's what I was – Yeah. And so neither of them play, though, for the Atlanta Dream or the Washington Mystics, right? No. Okay, cool. So um, give the listeners at home a rundown of what the op-ed said. So essentially they were just doubling down on this this commitment to social justice for this season. Um, and by the end of it, they were really just asking – for support because you know Mm -hmm. they're not nba players they only get a fraction of what nba players get despite being owned by the same association Mm -hmm. so you know they're saying you know if you like support us in our goal for you know for for our dedication to to social justice and that's the same deal with the national women's soccer league they are owned by the same company but they don't get equal pay for the equal work and i bring that up because one of the things one of the fucking dumbass stupid ass things that i saw on social media today um (laughs) was that some idiot was saying that um you know along the same lines that athletes should just shut up and play ball and not have political opinions is that these people are um overpaid and and no one asked them to take a stand and i'm like first of all these women are vastly underpaid and uh if you remember did- when i wrote about elena deneladon and she was talking about how she could not afford to miss the season but right. she can't play because of her you know health condition and it's yeah. like, yeah, they're, he says, <laughs> they don't want to do the job they're overpaid to do, which is to play a children's game professionally. They're puppets to their elite masters. <laughs> Professional sports are just another way for rich men to trade people like property. <laughs> what? Okay, Melania, and <laughs> yeah, so edgy. Melania, you can take that out. It's, it's so much stupider than I even remembered. But, um, yeah it's just wild um the the reactions that people are having to saying things like fuck the the sports altogether i hope they never play again uh these people don't deserve to have an opinion that this is not relevant to their job and i think that that is such an interesting reaction to have because like i have political affiliations and if someone was like you know what you should not be allowed to be a writer anymore because you uh, believe in political things, Mm -hmm. then I would be like, first of all, not surprised because that's exactly what cancel culture is. But like what other, what other um, 
positions can you be in where you're not supposed to have a political affiliation? You know, we expect that we say that about celebrities and athletes and stuff, but like, you know, if you're a mailman, are you not allowed to, uh, (laughs) to, to go to a protest? (laughs) Like all you need to do is deliver the mail, buddy. (laughs) Shut up. Like what? I can, it's exhausting too like how often they bring this up and I'm like what if somebody had said that to you like nobody's gonna it doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense and the um at the end of the day I think this protest is going to be really effective because it is not possible to derail this protest you know it's performative mm-hmm. it is a snapshot and so it's essentially performance art you know no one can say, well, what did you really mean? Because they made a very eloquent statement about exactly what they meant. And they, you know, you can't come and say like, well, I don't understand what your platform is. I don't understand what you want. Because it's very clear that what they want is an end to police brutality. And exactly. And that's the that's the full stop. That's the limit of the ask is, you know, respect uh, respect Literally people even if they're supposed murdering to be people yeah like if someone's alleged to have done a crime they deserve a day in court not a day in the hospital and um and that's all they're saying and so i think that you know a lot of times right a lot of a lot of our our issue lately is that people are experiencing chatter where they're like i don't know what all these protesters want you know some of them want to defund the entire police and never want to have another police person mm-hmm. and and others just you know whatever the the case may be people have all their opinions and then you mix into that the um the riots or, or looting or or violence and all the just like extra stuff on top of the protests you know you can't right. just say like the point of the protest was this because there's 50 other factors that are now on top of the protest, diluting the message, taking attention away from the message and giving people the opportunity to say, well, you know, it's not that you just want an end to police violence. You want to end the police altogether. And you want to, you know, you want to take down America. (laughs) You want to take down America. (laughs) And so you can't say that about the WNBA. That's not what they're saying. They're very specifically saying that that man did not deserve to go to the hospital he deserved to be uh you know he deserved to be confronted about the domestic violence call that was made against him right that does not mean that he should be paralyzed for life and i mean seven shots is excessive that's a lot of shots that is entirely too it's too much way too much unless you're really bad at shooting like if you can't disarm somebody if you can't if you can't like if you really need to gun someone down, you probably don't know how to use the fucking weapon that you're carrying. Right? Like this isn't the Hulk. This isn't Godzilla. This is just like one human male. Right. <laughs> right, right. He's not the Hulk. You didn't yeah. This is not a comic book and you are not uh yeah, you're not the superhero in your own life here. This is just a dude and your job is to try to administer justice no not even that that's not your your job is not even to administer justice that's the the job of the courts your job is just to like take the very first step and yeah your job is to figure out why first of all why were you called here 
Mm-hmm. Did they even do that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that whatever they were called to do will never be addressed now because if Jacob Blake was, uh, you know, it was it was alleged that he was um, that he sexually assaulted his ex girlfriend and mm-hmm. um, and that it, it was a domestic violence call. It, he attempted to steal her car or something. Right. The point is that now that he has been shot seven times, is he going to be uh, prosecuted? Is he going to face like any uh, responsibility for what he may have done to his ex-girlfriend? No. Yeah. And think about how this, this woman feels that this man who hurt her so much is now a martyr, essentially. Yeah. I'm sure that's not what she intended when she attempted to you know prevent him from stealing her car uh-huh so and i actually uh, saw something on i think it was on twitter recently where um this i forgot her name this rapper got shot recently do you know oh, what i'm no. talking about no i haven't yeah I so i forget what her name was but she got shot recently and it was a very public thing everybody was talking about it for a while and she was saying how she didn't call the police because she was trying to protect the man that shot her and I'm like, wow, that's that, so dark. Ladies, we need to have a chat. Yeah. Like, I understand where you're coming from and why you did what you did, but you can't, you know, be protecting these men who are going to hurt you, who have hurt you already. Right. And if you are certain that the response against them will be asymmetrical, that they'll end up dead, then I can see why you would feel mm-hmm. like you would have to be protective of them on top of that on top of you know living with female socialization and being told your entire existence has to be um sacrificed to to someone else's betterment or well-being and that your needs will always come second mhm um so i'm not yeah. sure if the women in the wnba are aware of everything that we've just talked about but I, feel I don't like, know that many people are aware of what we yeah. just talked about because I, I just found out today. It. I just found yeah. out about this today. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, none of that about Jacob Blake, none of none of the speculation about um, Jacob Blake's character or what he's done in the past. Um, I'm not bringing that up to justify what was almost a murder right. um, of him in the streets in front of his children. My point is simply that if somebody's, um, you know, if somebody's doing a crime, they they need to be apprehended, not murdered. And they right, deserve exactly. to be tried <laughs> by a jury of their peers, not by an execution squad. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that we'll see that many more unbiased details about it either because of exactly what you said there's there's no way to talk about this stuff without it becoming polarized either he is a martyr and a victim or he is a um a scumbag who uh got what was coming to him and there's absolutely um not going to be any talk on either side of the political divide outside people want to make it so black and white but it's not right so you're not going to hear like you're not going to see vox.com publishing the details of how this man um 
you know, is alleged to have sexually assaulted his ex-girlfriend and you're not going to see how um, he deserved to have a trial in in Breitbart. Like, they're they're not going to talk about that. So, but uh, After Ellen is not a political website and we're not a political platform and we're not here to to promote a political agenda me personally jocelyn mcdonald editor has has an opinion about about uh people deserving a trial and that's all i'm trying to say yeah i think people are so quick to just they want to make it easy for themselves by making it black and white but it's really not Mm -hmm. and i guess that's that's where all of this comes from where we have to talk about all of this you can't just talk about bits and pieces of it yeah that's a good point that's a good way of putting it um have we wrapped up what we need to say about the wnba have we have we talked it through we got into the bottom of it i think so. okay okay in that case i am ready to dramatically switch gears uh this topic is a lot more pleasant it's actually pretty fucking funny uh well it's also a little bit depressing so it's it's cursed it's cursed. So I sent Gabby this news article that I found and I'm in the process about writing for it, uh, writing a story about it for After Ellen and I'm not sure that I'm going to publish it because uh, I am now that I'm the editor in chief, I feel like I can't trust my own writing anymore. But that's neither here nor there. The point is that this story is incredible. It's the story. It's two stories. Both about not- known peace since (laughs) reading these stories please continue okay so the stories are um first there was the story of this performance artist and uh she's an australian woman she self-identifies as queer and her name is casey jenkins and um her whole shtick is um like self-sexualization and her current performance piece is she, is that she plans to self-inseminate in a live stream uh, for art. And, um, you know, this has, this has, like, the backing of an arts council in Australia. So that's wild. Um, same week, different pair of uh, lesbians. Um this femme couple uh, on Instagram, they're, they're influencers and they have a very modest following. They have like 200,000 followers. Their names are Allie and Sam and uh, that's their Instagram handle, Allie and Sam. And they're from Nova Scotia and they actually did a sponsored content post on behalf of a cryobank. So their, their spawn con was a donor sperm giveaway and i died i died when i read this physically manifested (laughs) in my home (laughs) i am not gonna recover from this it's just where do i begin it's so when i when you said and i read it i was like are they just like giving away their leftovers or like what yeah yeah yeah. oh god that's fucking freaky too because i mean there's well whatever the the i just found it really interesting that two stories in one week are about um sperm donors and sperm donation and social media and Uh i am thinking to myself social media is advertising 
it is only its only purpose is to like serve very highly targeted ads to us and get us to buy into a lifestyle Mm -hmm. and we're already told as women that you know our crowning achievement in our lifetimes will be reproducing um so so let's lean into that and like babies but make them gay like i want to see my baby in a onesie that says i have two mommies or i don't want my i i or i my life has no meaning like what (laughs) it's so wild because they're just like treating these kids like you know like something they can use to get more likes and followers and it's like you know they're human beings you can't treat them like your property like they have to do every single thing you want. They're human beings and, I, and they're going to grow up so damaged when they find mm-hmm. out that they are a part of your fucking scheme to become influencers. And to and they like have no measure- privacy either. Yes. Yeah, that's the thing about the the performance artist lady. She has like several pictures of her breastfeeding in like super sexy lingerie and uh for why yeah it's because it's because even when you're quote queer (laughs) you have to appeal to the male gaze like relax i can't be doing with that no i can't i'm not here for it uh yeah i just i am i feel like my brain is in meltdown mode when i try to wrap my head around why you would put that on the internet as if that is not the most private most meaningful sacred thing that you're ever going to pursue like trying to start a family trying to trying to you know grow your family and and like lesbians are never going to have the luxury of privacy when it comes Mm -hmm. to building a family because lesbians are always going to have to either like ask a man for their sperm (laughs) go to the doctor and get like a sterile you know uh operating table injection get out the turkey baster like there's not there's not a way for lesbians to um to just like have an accidental pregnancy i just thought of something cursed and i feel like i don't know if i should say you better it. say it you have to say it now i just like if Lara croft was an OBGYN, she would be the womb raider <laughs> what is wrong with you that is cursed <laughs> Well, who Gabby sent me the cursed puns. content in the first <laughs> <You're> place? <right. laughs> Gabby loves puns, and and the secret is that I do too. I actually love puns. Um, yeah. And Laura Croft is a lesbian, right? Wasn't you that know, recently what? confirmed? Actually, I wrote an article about this, so you guys are gonna have to wait for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be out next week. I don't know. That might actually be out before this podcast is out. But um yeah, so you know, we have the we have one factor which is just that the um that these women are using they're using they're they're like creating a motherhood as a lifestyle and motherhood is so much more than that and mm-hmm. it's uh it's not something that you do to enhance your following it's not it's not something you do to get like bigger spon- sponsored content deals in the future or to get more likes or follows or to get more interactions or to show up in the algorithm 
that's fucking weird. It's fucking weird to use your kids to enhance your social media presence. And a lot, it's not just them. Like a lot of people are doing this. A lot of people are making, you know, their YouTube channel all about their fucking kids. And yeah, yeah. I've seen uh, posts of children of these like people who are, you know, influencers and like YouTubers and stuff. And they're, they're having a hard time just getting through. Yeah. They're just like, I don't get any privacy and it's right you know sometimes they want me to do this and i don't want to do that and it causes problems and it's like that shit's not okay i think it would be really hard to grow up without any privacy and and it's hard enough for kids who just grow up and they're going to be like handed a cell phone when they're you know seven years old or something Mm -hmm. but it's going to be it's going to be especially hard for people whose parents have made it their personal brand to be gay because Mm -hmm. them finding their own way finding their own sexuality is going to be so fraught with their with the um, following of their parents so people are going to have a lot of questions about their preferences and lives and gender and i think there will be a lot of spotlight on these children to um yeah to, to like have a sexuality early on to have that sexuality either match their parents or not either way it will prove something to the followers about right you know the nature and nurture aspects of sexuality or being being authentic and you know all of the other sort of branding things that we as um members of the rainbow community have kind of had put on us as um mottos or um you know unspoken rules Mm -hmm. about like how how what it is and how it is to be gay yeah and they're already having a hard time and you know imagine having that hard of a time when you're so young and you have no privacy you can't just like you know be with yourself and like figure it out on your own and i i wouldn't imagine that they would even you know go to their parents to talk about anything not just like right because their parents make a post about it exactly (laughs) their parents would be like right now our family is going through this and here's how i dealt with it like mom are you listening to me yeah hold on i'm live tweeting this conversation (laughs) yeah and next up from our sponsors the child psychologist dr mary brightlight like will be doing a giveaway of therapy like this is this is not what i want to (laughs) see for children Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think that it would be hard as a child to find out that you were won in a contest, that your mm-hmm. existence can be boiled down to someone entering their handle in an Instagram contest. But I also think um, cryobanking and sperm banking in general is a morally fraught um, institution, you know, cryobanks are a. Um, so I just read. I just read an article that it, it's a multi-billion-dollar industry, and I just read an article that said that by 2025, it will be like a 500 billion-dollar industry. Well, well why can't year. why can't people just adopt? Is like what I don't really get. I mean, I'm not against people having biological children, yeah, and yeah. And that means uh, that just is going to come with ethical questions. And when 
the sperm bank market is 5.45 billion according to the uh report buyer website whatever whatever this is um yeah you know who who's making money people are making hand over fist money here and it's important to ask who is making that money right how and why and and at whose expense exactly and this and, is a completely separate conversation from surrogacy that's oh a my whole God. other ballpark yeah it but it is all related it's all mm-hmm. intimately tied up together but in terms of just the size of the market that i'm just speaking about the sperm banking market right i'm not and so you know talking about that as being 5.45 billion like surrogacy and egg donation you're talking about just hundreds of billions of dollars that are are profiting not only doctors and pharmaceutical companies but agencies that procure donors and that um, come up with the reproductive technology itself to do the insemination the storing of the sperm you know some of these sperms get like fucking stored for decades dude which is just like fucking yeah it's fucking crazy and also like there is zero regulation in this country around sperm donation so basically that don't sound right it it doesn't sound right because it's not right like you know i think uh state by state there are different regulations but in some states there's very little regulation at all to the point where i read an article that said that you know um donor conceived children are finding one another in adulthood and they're doing um dna tests and coming up with you know they have to do this stuff on their own because the agencies that they were conceived through will not provide this information but studies were and that's another thing too isn't it because they i know what it's like to grow up not knowing where you came from or who your parents are and that's you know it's a lot yeah to, to get through and now all of these kids are having to, you know, go through that same thing. And it's no, not, that's think, not to say I that, like, I right. don't love my mom. I'd love my mom. But it's like, you know, you, you wonder. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, they love their parents that are the ones who actually raised them. But yeah. you're always going to wonder where you came from. And you have a right to know where you came from. You mm-hmm. have a right to know to what tribe you belong. Because the more Water we find tribe. out. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Is that an airbender shirt? Girl, water tribe. I don't know what that means. Sis. Okay, I don't know things about sports or cartoons or it's a jersey. It's blue. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll um we'll talk about it uh after. <laughs> okay, this is a class classic after Ellen podcast derailment <laughs> where we go on a tangent. No, but um you know more and more we find out that people have inherited uh the sort of the lived experiences they have almost inherited memory from their ancestors and our dna is actually rewritten by the experiences that our ancestors go through whether that's like trauma famine poverty all of these things you know rewrite your dna and they change your um the genes that are expressed or not expressed in your dna and so do you ever feel like some ancestral urge rises up in you and like you just have to do this one thing that you know your ancestors did but you would normally never do i don't 
I wish that I had more of a connection to my ancestors. I haven't been able to pinpoint stuff like that, but I think all the time about what my grandma would want me to do. And I oh, right. and I feel like everything I do, I am trying to do what she didn't have the chance to do. Mm-hmm. Like riding a motorcycle is totally right. something that like she she rode a motorcycle a couple of times when she was in her youth and then you know she had five kids and never rode a motorcycle again (laughs) so and so I know every time I pick up something like that I'm like living Ruth Ellen I am living out the dreams that belonged to Ruth Ellen um just a sweet little Quaker girl from Indiana I I bought a bow I bought a bow like just like I thought let me buy all these parts I'm gonna make a bow just because I felt like it that is totally ancestral. Yeah, right. Like, what am I going to do with this? I live in Los Angeles. I, but... Is it illegal to have a bow? Maybe you shouldn't talk about that on our podcast. No, it's fine. I think. <laughs> but it's not strong. It just looks like a stick right now. So Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's not like a crossbow or something. No, no. You're not a prepper, are you? I don't know what that is. So no. A prepper? <laughs> you don't know what a prepper is? How are you? I mean, I'm guessing it means somebody who's preparing for something. The, the apocalypse, the end times. Isn't that right now? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's time to get prepared. It might be a little too late, honestly. I'm a little, it's fine. If I my go, I, I go. <laughs> my mom and I share an Amazon account. And lately I've been seeing, like, I've been seeing what she's buying and it's all prepper stuff. Like she's buying like, water filters and i'm afraid that i'm going to start seeing like you know 25 gallon buckets of like mashed potatoes <laughs> like, oh god i'm so scared oh no um but to return to the conversation at hand you know every kid is going to wonder where they came from and every human as they you know grow up and become an adult they're going to want to know um where they came from and to whom they belong and they're going to wonder you know is my personality like am i an amazing artist and drawer because my dad was a drawer um am i like do i have like cystic acne because my great grandpa had like a zitty nose like what you know people are gonna wonder where the fuck they came from and why i don't know if this is even related but like for some of us like i was trying to find records of my mom's family prior to colonialization i can't even speak today but you know what i mean but (laughs) prior to when the europeans came and Mm -hmm. there there's nothing nobody knows anything about what they were called like what their names were especially the women of course yeah so yeah so then there are days where i feel like i'm just like carrying all of their suffering and oppression and I'll just wake up and be like, I'm, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to live better for you, because mm. I, you know, I know that you couldn't, you couldn't wear pants, so I'm gonna wear pants. <laughs> you know. So where would you start looking? Like, would you be looking for? Could you look for rec- like public records or um, hospital records or? I'm assuming that's where. Do you asking me personally or just like in general? Yeah, where. I mean, I know that's where some of these donor-conceived children have ended up doing is getting DNA tests, and mm-hmm. then they go. And they're so widely using, available now, too, right? Yeah, all these apps that ha- have like Twenty Three and Me and stuff. Yeah. Um, so they will find they'll get a DNA analysis and figure out um, if they can get any names of um, previous family people who have like registered their DNA. 
mm-hmm. they can find the person, the name of the person who's most closely related to them, and then just kind of act like journalists asking questions and trying to track people down. Right. But to return to where we were before we went on so many tangents, um, classic AE podcast. <laughs> these kids are. Um, Uh, these kids are working together to get to the bottom of where they came from. They're finding their dads. Some of these kids have found out that they have as many as 30 siblings. And one person, uh, one group I read had up to 200 siblings what? and counting. That's crazy. And then the point is that the industry is unregulated. So there is not a limitation on how many um, kids could be produced from one sperm donor. You could have, um, you know, cousins and brothers and sisters running out there and you would never know them. And a lot of people who hear about this, they're like, wow, that's pretty fucked up because, you know, you could like fucking end up dating your your brother and not know it and fall in love. And and while that I mean, that has borne out in a couple of these cases that are obviously very sensational and worthy of um, tabloids and because they're they're just such juicy, gossipy stories. To me, the the more criminal thing here is that kids are denied the most beautiful relationships that you can ever have, which is the relationships that you have with your siblings. And I don't know how how other people feel about their sibs, but like my sister and my brother are my people. I I don't love anybody more than I love them. You know, I just wake up every day so fucking grateful that there's two people on earth who understand me. And who I understand and who like at the end of the day, they're like, they have as much DNA as they have like a very particular (laughs) um, combination of DNA that nobody else on this earth shares but me and them. And it's Mm -hmm. so special, like how many things that we have in common because of that and how many things, not only because we were raised together, um, thank God, but because we we get to see how certain family traits have played out in each other good and bad right and if i were to find out that i had a half sib out here somewhere i would be over the fucking moon i would be like yeah the party's arrived like what could be better than finding out there's more family yeah it's not really the the same case for me like i'm not gonna comment on my family drama but okay (laughs) but for me it's i feel I found my sisters. I wasn't born with them. I I, I, I grew up and I found them. You're sitting yes. there acting like you're not one of them. Oh my god! No, I'm crying. I'm crying, guys. I you're you're definitely my sister. I identify with that so hard. My sisters that I found through feminism and lesbian activism and just through friendship, you mm-hmm. know, um, but are so 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 precious to me and they're my ride or dies for sure yeah like i i remember one time after after uh we did one of these podcasts i texted my friend and i was like yeah i feel like in a past life we were actually sisters and she would have like (gasps) tied my braids to the bed or something and then like laughed at me or (laughs) 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 hashtag aries sister (laughs) right (laughs) yeah um yeah, so I mean, not yes, I don't mean to discount the relationships that we have to people who are not related to us by blood, but there is mm-hmm. just something that's really special about um, blood ties. And I think that um, 
good or bad, the relationships that we have with those people who are genetically related to us are so, so charged, uh, either positively or negatively, because Mm -hmm. of all that we share. And I would just, I just feel like every kid has a right to know that they have sibs out there. And the fact that the sperm banking industry um, has obscured that purposefully um, for for their own profit, for um, to make the to make the process more appealing to people who, you know, don't want the fathers involved or fathers who don't want to be involved. I mean, it serves very it, it serves the particular um benefit of the parents and not the kids yeah yeah and it serves the benefit of the cryobank and not the kids exactly yeah i see what you're saying yep so i mean when are we going to ask these questions is it just going to be like oh well lesbians want to have kids so it doesn't matter how we have them we're just like straights we have kids too i mean i think this is a good jumping off point you know We've presented the questions. <laughs> now people need to like actually sit down and be like, you know, yeah, they make a good point. Let me think about this. I just feel like there has been a history in lesbian feminism of asking these questions. And mm-hmm. I feel like we're getting really far away from that because of stuff like social media, because right. of this culture where if you if you question someone's actions then you're questioning who they are as a person Mm -hmm. and so we've kind of conflated um you know if you question me you're questioning my identity you're questioning my very existence and instead you're you're just like okay well i was actually just questioning your your moral choice because it's a different one than i would make (laughs) right myspace uh... would never do this to us (laughs) (laughs) um yeah yeah, I think that we need to think about these things more. And I think that it's kind of twisted that um, that we're seeing this on social media with so little um, so little conversation from our own community. Like, where are the lesbians who are like, this is fucking weird, guys. <laughs> what was oh, the They're right here. Weird? They're right the fuck here. <laughs> yeah, they're right here. But I mean, I feel like I only saw both of these news stories about, um, you know, a lesbian couple and a self-identified queer woman. I only saw this shit in conservative rags. You know, I saw it in like the New York Post and the Daily Mail. Uh And and there's a reason for that. It's because like conservatives will take any sensational story or any story that potentially puts, um, you know, a a negative spin on on what is essentially like sex culture wars. Mm hmm. And liberals will not ask a single question that pertains to someone's individual choices because it becomes an attack on their individualism. It, right. It becomes an attach, attack on their identity. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, it takes us back to the whole WNBA thing because there is so so much polarization that it becomes basically impossible to um, to take bits and pieces of truth or um you know from from the larger story it's all or nothing yeah exactly and um i feel like people just can't can't think about doing that for whatever Mm -hmm. reason 
Like, I get it. We're all going through it, but you still got to use your brain cell. Yeah, I know. Maybe, you know, I think a lot of people have talked about COVID as being an opportunity for some very deep introspection because Mm -hmm. we're, we're forced to like be alone and do less stuff, not leave the house as much. And I fucking hope that some of these influencers sit down and eat a bag of mushrooms you know, have a conversation with the goddess about what the fuck choices they're making, right? And like, have a have an ego death experience where they realize that what they're what they're modeling for the rest of us is such a level of narcissism that it just shows little disregard for the humans that they're that they think they're going to create. Mm-hmm. They need to they need to be visited by snakes. They need the snakes to manifest in there. One bedroom. right. Yeah. Well, Melina's going to have a fun time editing this one. <laughs> oh, she will. <laughs> what do you think? Do you have any wrap-up thoughts? Uh, no, I'm good. I think we said all that needs to be said. All right. Well, I am, I'm going to be very curious to hear what our listeners think of this. I bet this episode will definitely raise some hackles. Hopefully, it will earn us some cheers and some claps um, from from our fans whether you agree or disagree let us know we love making this podcast and we're trying to we're always trying to improve it so we definitely would love to hear from you so um with that i have been jocelyn mcdonald yes you have and i've been gabby you you, gabby have been gabby and this has been the after ellen podcast (laughs) kill you okay